Welcome to the Rising Warrior Podcast. We are here to provide a holistic approach to the betterment of warriors, helping warriors bridge the gap in their healing journey, find themselves, find who they truly are, and provide tools to help themselves and in turn help others. We are here to break the mold and discuss what it takes to thrive in life. So, let's rise above together. On today's episode, we continue our ayahuasca series with Kyle Bergquist. Kyle started working with the veteran community as a chiropractor in regenerative medicine. He shares how he began practicing regenerative medicine to provide a higher quality of care to help get veterans lasting results. Kyle's first experience with ayahuasca was on a healing journey that his wife took. Kyle's wife had tried many other treatments for her mental health, therapy, EMDR, transcranial magnetic stimulation, and the list goes on and on. Kyle's first experience with ayahuasca was extremely beneficial, and he saw how these benefits could help the veteran community. Because of his experience, he put together a group of veterans to take down to Costa Rica to experience ayahuasca and to film a documentary on their journey. This is a really great podcast that talks about the veteran experience from an outside perspective. If you find any of this episode entertaining, interesting, or valuable, please share so that this information can get into the hands of those who need it. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Kyle, thanks for being on. This is, uh, like I said before, it's going to be interesting to get the other side of the story. Uh, You're not a veteran, which doesn't make any difference, really. Um, and you kind of set up this whole thing for a few of the veterans that went down there. Um, could you tell us where you began? Uh, I believe you're a clinician owner. What led you to working with veterans in this space? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'm a chiropractor by trade. Uh, you may know a few others, um, yourself included, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I graduated 06, owned clinics for years, um, got into an integrated model in 2013, 14, uh, where we would have MDs, PTs, everybody working in the best interest of the patient. The goal was, hey, everyone can come in here, but we don't want to do any pain medications and we want to keep people from surgery. So that was like, that was the crazy idea uniting front of everybody being like, well, I can do that. And that was right when regenerative medicine was becoming a thing, right? And was jumping onto the mainstream. So we really adopted that pretty quickly. We had providers who could uh, provide that service. And I got a call one day. So I had nine clinics in two states at, at the height of this organization, which is a whole topic for another time. But I got a call one day and they said, we want to do a documentary. Um, you're one of the only clinics that does regenerative medicine in Alaska. Are you willing to treat this veteran, um, Silver Star recipients, et cetera, that need your help? So like, absolutely bring them in. And I, I don't normally, I, at that time, I wasn't working in the clinics often, but um, they just caught me. I was covering and met this guy and really met him on camera which was kind of a weird phenomenon to be, you know, doing intakes and stuff on camera, but was just floored by his experiences, what he had been through by this person in front of me um, named Roger Sparks and literally left that moment going, I'm not doing enough. 
I have to do more. We have the ability to help a lot of guys, a lot of men and women that are struggling with these things with this and got probably way too Pollyanna about it. Like, oh, I'll, I'll just fix this issue. This, there's 22 a day taking their lives. I got this. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Like regenerative <laughs> medicine will save the world. And, you know, TBIs and CTE and, and PTSD, like it's all going away now, um, which was super naive, but also like fueled the fire to be like, okay, well, let's learn more. Let's see what's going on. Let's dive in. We created a nonprofit um, called Healing Our Heroes at the time and just wanted to help. Um, the more I've learned about it, the more I've been a part of different stakeholder meetings and all these things, I, I realized that um, it's a multifaceted problem and that it needs a completely different way of looking at solutions than has what's been offered. How's that for us? For that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, for the listeners, could you explain what or elaborate what exactly is regenerative medicine? Sure. Yeah. So um, stem cell treatments was where it had started. So we were um, taking adipose or fat tissue from the um, person and it was their own cells, spinning it down, getting pure stem cells and then re-injecting them back into knees, backs, joints, et cetera. Also at that time, IV infusions were a thing. So people were getting IV doses of their stem cells that would then hone to areas of inflammation and just work different magic in the body. Um, the gentleman that I'm referring to also has a son who, um, I mean, there's an entire backstory there, but uh, I think when he was just several months old, um, had a hypoxic brain injury. Um, they found him in his crib and had to do CPR on him, et cetera. Anyway, um, lived through that, but does have cerebral palsy from it. And so we ended up getting regenerative medicine for him as well as part of that documentary. And so it, um, it was very good for him. And then it, um, the FDA really cracked down on that sort of treatment. Really? Yeah. Not surprised. Not surprised. Yeah. Not surprised. We, we had a lot go on there. We, one of the guys uh, in the same battle as Roger, the guy I'm talking about named Jimmy uh, was shot in the head in that battle. And it was actually like a big deal at the time, you know, made national news, you know, good morning America was there interviewing them about this battle, et cetera. And, um, and met him later, got him regenerative medicine treatment. Um, and I'm happy to send you guys a documentary on this. Um, but uh, he ended up being able to like touch his head for the first time in forever, like crawled, crawled crying. Like, you know, wow. I know this sounds like miracle mm. stories, but it's literally like floored me when it happened. Cause you know, got him treatment, hadn't heard from him several weeks, calls me, Kyle, I, I don't even know how to tell you. Like normally it would be lightning shocks down my body. Mm. Um, and she touched it. I was like, oh my goodness, I can, I can touch this, you know? So mm. pretty magical things. He was able to get back to running, back to sleeping, et cetera. Um, which, you know, means everything. It's sleep is one of those things that, you know, the phrase I'll sleep when I die. Yeah. And when somebody says that, I was like, it'll be sooner rather than later then. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> yeah. um, mm. I, I'd like to touch base on TBIs or traumatic brain injuries. Those, 
I, I, I think this is a lost piece of information that a lot of vets aren't being educated on. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, uh, I, that was what led me down. It was the start of my quote unquote healing journey, jumping down the hole of TBIs. Uh, I worked with uh, with Dr. Mark Gordon through the yeah. Warrior Angel Foundation as a patient and then as a clinician. Um, and then my personal opinion is I believe a large percent, if not all military individuals leave the military with some form of TBI. Um, and then trying to get treated for TBI through the VA is a joke. Yeah. First, it's a joke because they, they don't care. I won't say that. I'll rephrase that. Um, they don't want to. And then second of all, I don't think they'd have the knowledge on how to treat it properly. Um, so how are you going about treating TBIs? And this, this is, you can go as broad as you want, or you can keep it as narrow as you this want. This is a huge topic, but I'll, I'll just give you some highlights. So mm-hmm. our goal was to say, if stem cells can hone towards inflammation, then let's infuse the body and let them go do the work, right? Like that was the goal. And since then, I mean, we've worked with different um, pioneers in that field to try to develop different products like that actually get to the source of like neuroprogenitor cells and stuff like that, like what can actually create that. So that aside, I agree with you. I think a lot of people go um, misdiagnosed, not diagnosed, et cetera, in the military, because there is a thing of like repetitive concussive injury, like even firing a weapon that close and, you know, those repetitive jolts, um, being near concussive overblast, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of those things, because maybe they don't report it right away or they don't, you know, or they're just like, well, I don't, there's no way I didn't get blown up or what, you know, Mm -hmm. like people have a weird narrow definition of like what it takes to actually cause issues in the brain. It's really just, what's that, you know, coup counter coup injury, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think there's underreporting. I, I don't know enough about the inner workings of the VA. I do know on the outside of that, I've been called into different meetings with like DOD, VA, where they're, they're stakeholder meetings where they're trying to figure out how to classify TBIs. And, and you have all these stakeholders coming into that and being like, well, we need to think about it like this. We need to, you know, and spent a week in those sort of meetings learning mm-hmm that really people don't agree is what I ended up taking from that. Like nobody can agree on even how to classify it. Like hopefully that moves forward, but they're also not as uh, innovative in the treatment options, right? Mm. And I feel like, because that's more of a, um, what's the color? (laughs) I was gonna say more of a bureaucratic situation that innovations are slow to happen there. Yeah, you're talking about multi-million dollar contracts with uh, uh, some of the biggest uh, pharmaceutical companies too. Like it, it, sure. it's, it's across the board bureaucracy that uh, would hinder that. I mean, to bring regenerative medicine into that space would take 30 years at this point. It, that's at least my number in my head. Well, and I was like, invited because of the regenerative medicine, which mm. I, I, you know, and there are people open to it. Um, there's a, a faction called like... Um, a firm or something, I think, which is like Air Force Institute Regenerative Medicine, but it was like a, hey, go figure out if regenerative medicine can help us, et cetera. And they were interested in something called exosomes that we were talking about, but mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think everyone's going into there already having their opinions formulated and not there to learn. 
which really frustrated me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so regenerative medicine, TBIs, which led you into the veterans community. Yep. Um, what led you to uh, doing the documentary? Uh, forgive me, I, I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, yeah, working title right now is Warrior's Journey. Okay. Mm. What led you up to that point in uh, taking individuals down to Costa Rica for ayahuasca? That's a yeah, big jump it's, in regenerative yeah, medicine. Yeah, 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 psychedelics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah agreed. Um, and it's been a jump for me too, right? Like I was, I'm one of the the dare kids. Like, you know, I don't want to touch anything. And yeah. <laughs> high school, I was like, I'll have a beer, right? But I, there's no way I'm freaking touching any any other thing. I didn't um, smoke cannabis until I was 31. Yeah, same. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, scared me to death, made me paranoid. Like, I'm out. Um, so that stigma was always there, mm -hmm. and for me. But I've watched my wife who suffers with depression literally empower herself by, by trying everything to get something that would finally work for her, right? There is no one size fits all. She's mm -hmm. tried of, you know, different therapy sessions. She's tried uh, EMDR, she's tried, um, oh God, what's the magnetic one? Um, uh, transdermal, no. Yeah, transcranial. exactly. Transcranial uh, magnetic stimulation, TMS. Yeah. So she, you know, she learned about that one from um, a comedian on Netflix or whatever. I was like, oh, I'll try that. And then literally somebody said to us like, well, why haven't you tried psychedelics? And she was like, I don't know, I probably should, you know? And, and so I went on that adventure with her to Costa Rica to, for her healing, was blown away by how profound it was, went there going, you know what, if I'm going to help vets with this i have to try it hmm. so i tried it so was floored myself by what it did for me your um, your wife's first introduction to psychedelics was ayahuasca correct we're All just right. going in hot we're i know what that's like there's the deep end yep. <laughs> go swim uh, over there <laughs> don't know how to swim good yeah right. jump in which is a yeah. whole other story she doesn't know how to swim and yes, <laughs> okay so uh, then was your first experience into psychedelics with ayahuasca also correct wow ah man I mean, let's just you're go ballsy. yeah let's, fuck it. let's do it yes i like it i, 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 I like you guys go. i like you you got some gunslingers out here man yeah it was oh, nuts man. it was absolutely nuts and i had beautiful profound experiences there realized i was actually there for me and not mm. there for all the other people i had convinced myself surprise. i was there for my wife and vets and everybody else yeah <laughs> surprise Kyle. <laughs> welcome to yourself <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah um so your first time introduction to psychedelic medicine was ayahuasca which Honestly, I have not done ayahuasca yet. Yeah. Um, and I think this is great because a lot of people that their introduction to psychedelics is, uh, you know, do a tab of acid or some mushrooms while at a party. Right. I'd rather have individuals doing psychedelics in a healing space yes. and be supported. Um, so when was your first introduction to this? February of 2020. Okay, and then oh, when wow. did you, okay, so, wow. right before COVID. 
Well, this escalated really quickly then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, tell us if you... <laughs> words, Lance. Yeah, words. I've been up since four. Um, uh, so, so tell I'll, us... I'll tell you. We, yeah. So right when my wife was going down, I came up with the idea of like, what if we took a bunch of the vets that we know down there and we, we, we shoot it and just see the healing that can happen from there. Very cool. And I had already compiled a group and then we were working with Heroic Hearts Project and Jesse Gold over there. And they helped us organize a research study around it. We literally got up. So we came back in February, my wife and I, we were taking the group in March. Wow. And in between that. that, up to the last day, had to shut it down. Mm. Oh. Whew, man. Yeah, heartbreak. That's tough. To um, like, I was talking to Sean about this earlier. Um, we actually talked a while ago because Mike introduced us. Mike Bledsoe introduced us um, for the training camp for the soldier. Oh no way! Yeah, I don't I remember, remember that. I Sean, I remember you now. Yeah. Hell yeah! Full <laughs> All right, we're no. done here. I was like, you're familiar. I've been seriously thinking <laughs> that's that. connected. Oh, I've seen his beard. Um, you got it. You know what's up. Yeah. Yep. So w- I was uh, when um, Bledsoe and AJ. Me, yep. 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 AJ. I, I was really excited because um, I, I was getting more into working with veterans and veteran realm at that point. I was just like, yeah, let's do it. I I, I wasn't invited and I, I wanted to help in any way, shape we can. So when I heard that cancellation, I was like, oh, bum. So postponed, right? Postponed. Yeah, okay. wasn't going to let it derail us and kept working forward. We actually, you know, on the other end, like they had to resubmit to get the IRB to do the research we were doing with the University of Georgia. Like all the things had to be reworked and recycled and and um, and we did it. We, we brought them last year. Uh, let's talk about that experience. We've already talked to with quite a few of them. Um, I want to hear you talk to. Uh, so far, I've talked to, we've talked to Jay, um, John Sargent. John's story was, man. That, yeah, powerful. Um, I don't know how he didn't cry during telling his story because I was always Yeah, I don't either. Um, I am looking it up right now. Um, Jay Costello, John Sargent. We'll be talking to Brandon Mills. We'll be talking to... Um, Tristan and talking to somebody else, but I'll, I'll say that off air. He wanted to be re- remain anonymous and not talk about it. Oh, yeah, um, we had a couple other guys who had um, had ayahuasca experiences, but weren't part of the project. Yeah. So we have a few, we have a whole series of, of both we've, conclusions. We've also we talked to uh, Dr. Kate Pate. Yes. Yeah, Kate's great. She was great. Yeah. Um, so we talked to quite a few and we will be talking to more. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So we get a group um, that's going to go down. We set full intentionality around it where we're meeting every month as a group on Zoom calls. We had um, 12 veterans and nine civilians all going to do that retreat together. And everybody showed up to the intention calls. Everybody shared Mm. what they were there to work on. Um, a gentleman named Dominic Cartruccio, who's a civilian as well, but just runs men's groups, 
and uh, did a phenomenal job setting the intentionality, getting people ready. A lot of people had never been to that sort of experience. Um, and it really ramped up. I'll, I'll just say that, you know, participation kind of weaned in the middle months because we were starting about six, seven months out. And then towards the end, it was like, everyone was there like, what have I been missing? Let's go, I, I, I'm there to do this. Like, I know we're there next week. Like, let's, let's make it happen. And uh, went down, filmed the entire thing. Everyone did the research. You know, they were wearing um, Garmin watches that were tracking a lot of their vitals during oh, wow. ceremony. Um, and, you know, before and after and all of that, they were doing personality profiles. They were doing different things where they were filling out mood assessments before, after, during. They'd get pinged on this phone to do it. Um, they were doing facial affect videos. So people would, yes. look. yeah, it was super rad. So they would, they would get back and record a video and if they could remember, right? Like put something <laughs> on the door to remind you that you're not in the headspace, but it would, it would measure personality changes, et cetera. So, um, Brandon Weiss, uh, was the head researcher on that with the university of Georgia. And he, um, it's building on other research he had published in Nature Magazine last year on ayahuasca that was phenomenal. Um, and so we're really just waiting on those results to see how it comes to this, super exciting. So uh, again, you might not be able to answer this mm -hmm. um, yet. So have you noticed pre and post change in personality with the, the questionnaires and the facial whatever? I don't have the research, so I didn't run okay. the research part so brandon could speak to that better um and he's been pretty tight-lipped about everything he has to be yeah um can't bias any results or anything like that and he's been extremely good about all that um i will tell you just uh subjectively like wow oh yeah and the film shows that i mean yeah yeah i i've seen individuals go through processes like this and pre and post it looks like literally they had the weight lifted off their shoulders that's it and it's it just amazing reframing right what's been holding you back and all that and mm -hmm. just becoming your own healer during there which is completely different and really resonates i think with guys like it was me in there doing the battle with me you know mm -hmm. yeah um so you were down there for how many days uh, which is shortened trip. I think they did three ceremonies in five days. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and did. Uh, uh, did you partake? What's that? Did you partake? The last one. Okay. So yeah. you, you were observing the whole time. Yeah, I was, I was filming. I was lost in, you know, I'm directing that film. So I was lost in that world and trying to nail down interviews and get all that done and be present for everything. And also playing not tour guide, but, you know, mm -hmm. uh, HR, if you will, just everything <laughs> that can go, go on and, and just making sure I was present for them. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. felt like the last night that I could, uh, do my own thing. So as an observer from the outside with the 30,000 foot view, kind of, yeah. uh, what were you noticing over the five days? Five, let, let's even start up, you know, the few months before the during and the post yeah all right so i think people were really good at sharing their intention what they were there to let down 
Um, I think when they got there, there was a bit of like shock of like, oh yeah, this is gonna happen, I've, you know? And people were also sizing each other up a little bit, I think too, like people, I don't know if that's a, a military thing, I'm not- you know, For sure, 100%. It's a thing anywhere you go, right? So it's like, you know, <laughs> well, could, like, oh, that it. guy talks too much or that guy is loud or I don't like, you know, the way he looked at me or whatever. I think there was a little bit of that, although it was a very close knit group, I will say. Um, and then after first ceremony, I mean, you couldn't shut anybody up and everyone's telling what they went through. And a few of them had really gnarly revelations that first night that were like, I don't want to go back. Mm. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't trust this at all. I think people are trying to poison me came up by one person. Wow. Uh, one person tried to run from it, <laughs> you know, spent their entire day outside. And it was like, okay, all right, let's see how day two goes. And, and a lot of them have kind of that story arc, like act one was like jumping in, learning it, getting used to it. And then they speak with the facilitators the next day, share what they went through, try to make sense of that. The um, maestro maestra are the ones who are, um, you know, singing to them these beautiful songs during their ceremony that kind of helps pull some of these energies out, et cetera. And they talk to them the day after and tell them what they went through. And they say, yeah, you know, a lot of times they're like, yeah, we saw that and uh, felt that. And here's what we're going to do tonight and kind of coach them through that. I think the second night was really good for a lot of people. I think some people really struggled. Um, but I think th by the third night, most people had gotten what they came for. There were a few, um, at least one civilian I can think of and one veteran as well that just didn't really get much from the experience and who knows why, you know, but they had both had pretty major uh, histories with psychedelics too. So that could be part of it. Um, but what I will tell you is the tribe started to kind of gel and it was like, everybody's there, say hi to Callie. Um, everybody was there to support each other. And that started to come out and then people felt safe sharing and then the love and the bonding and there was no egos anymore. And that was a really beautiful space that everyone was holding for each other to heal. Mm -hmm. And I really think there's something to, you know, having people who served all be there, but also people who didn't because a lot of what they're going through are human experiences, right? Like you can distill it down to like, yeah, I was in the military and I have PTSD and, and these sort of things, but also what caused that? Like past sexual trauma or like, mm -hmm. you know, um, depression or guilt or Abuse. like all the shame, like all of these are human things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where it was beautiful to see the group kind of start sharing on a human level, not just like this, you know, other than scenario. Yeah, it's part of actually what keeps us trapped in the loop for a lot of veterans is they get trapped in like, well, they don't understand my experience and I had all these things to come up like blah, 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 blah. And it's it's a great protector from actually allowing people to get to know you and from you allowing to be vulnerable enough, vulnerable enough with them. Um, yeah, it's super prevalent in our community. So if, if ayahuasca is the journey you got to take to open that up, brother, I... I recommend it to anybody out there um, who's who's at that place. And I, I'm curious, like uh, being coming from a medical background, having run this network uh, 
um, in creating, using all these new methods and now seeing the, the, the real human change in a lot of these the people that you're working with, what insight has that brought to you as a as a practitioner, as a, as a um, chiropractor, you know, what has that changed for you? What, what has opened up for you when you've seen that uh, massive growth in such a short amount of time? That's a great question. I, I'm actually going to go down a little bit of a road of what happened on my first journey, if that's okay. Like, yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah, and look, I'm not trying to do the thing where you know I I saw the the rainbows and the unicorns and all the things. Like, I, you know, there's going to be a little bit to that, but just know mm -hmm. that. Yeah, you we know. can talk about that too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're well, open to all of it. Yeah. yeah. I I look at pain completely different now than I did before. Mm completely different. Yeah. I think there is so much emotional stored trauma in people now and the way that people store it and energy is moving through people. I completely, when you experience that, you believe it, you know, it, it mm -hmm. it's just a thing. I had a moment where in my, I think it was my second ceremony, my hands started to buzz really bad. And then they started to go cold and then they went numb. And then they, they turned into these blocks that were just like concrete blocks. And then I was like, oh God, what is this? What is this? This is freaking me out. I can't move them. They're almost paralyzed. And then they started to crack and then they started to thaw. And then I watched all this energy leave my hands. And I realized it was all the pain I had taken away from people while adjusting them. Whoa. And it freaked yeah. me out. I was like Whoa. watching it zap out of my hands. And then all of a sudden my hands were light and it's like, oh shit, I had stored people's energy in my body. Mm -hmm. Whoa. <laughs> you know, so to answer your question, I look at pain. I look at all of mm -hmm. that stuff completely different than I ever did mm -hmm. before. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that you share that. And I, you know, we come from, I know I do, I, I'm not, I don't have medical background and um, what I've in my own journey have realized through healing some of my own trauma that uh, it's deeply interconnected networks of not just your cognitive function, but it, it can't be separated from, so, so you can do like all these tests and, and, and have scientific research in, a, in a, essentially a funnel, a small hole but the human, the entire human still exists, a vacuum, right. Um, and being able, having the capacity to zoom out and to realize that, like you said, pain, like you have a whole different perspective on pain is that um, there are the, the things we can measure, the, the, what the science can tell us. And then there's a lot of stuff in the energetic side of it that is, there's practitioners out there, but it's not measurable in the ways that we generally tend to think about measurable at least in, in the science of it so really? yeah it's amazing you're sharing that because it it kind of opens up a world of mystery that um it is unknown and for that reason a lot of people are are scared of it because it has no defined measure like if i said hey there's an energy exchange between you and your partner when you're yelling at each other and yeah. that actually like upregulates you in a way that you can't describe other than to say you're upregulated um people are like i don't know what are you talking about? I'm just mad. I'm just angry. Like, all right, cool. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, with, 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 uh, regard to kind of going back to the journey of being down there with the veterans, what was your experience of them afterwards after you've seen the, the footage and you've actually had a chance, they've had a chance to integrate 
what has been your experience in, in that? Just seeing it, observing it, the growth change. Yeah, that is that is the movie. Um, mm. You know, it's one of our gentlemen in, in, in the film had a really, I mean, it was almost prophetic where he goes, it's easy to be wise on the mountains, but now we have to go home. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I love that. Right. It, and it was like, okay, yeah, you're right. And how do we integrate this into the world? How do we, you know, learn from the experiences, take them forward, you know, educate others? How do we do all this? And everyone's had a different road with that. There was this, and I've seen this now twice with two different groups where um, that I've been a part of, where they create a, a WhatsApp channel. And I mean, from day one to day 10, you couldn't be more engaged. People are checking it daily. They're, you know, I miss my medicine family kind of thing. And then it kind of tapers and it keeps tapering until, you know, crickets for a while. So it was really important for us to go out and meet with a lot of these men afterwards and their families and just, I mean, film them, interview them, see what they're doing now to see how they integrated it. And that's really what the film ends up highlighting is how it it fits in their life and how you know it it isn't you don't want to have it just be this thing that happened and it, it gets so far removed that you you almost forget it and it was like was that a dream is that something i know you know like what is that mm -hmm. you need it to be something that you actually grow from learn from and you can have as a um as a north star a little bit too to lean into to say oh here's Here's the experience I got from that. And here's how I can show up different in this capacity, mm. et cetera. And I think I've seen a lot of that in them. Um, uh, since you guys know John and whatever, I mean, we went and interviewed him, his family, his daughter, like ever, there's some beautiful healing happening in that family. Mm. That's I can awesome. imagine. That yeah, is yeah awesome. he shared with us some of it. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, I like one thing you brought up a few times uh, before going down there. You said you guys met up, you, you set an intention and, and then follow up. Um, we've said this on a few other podcasts and it's worth repeating. Like this, if we don't do the work that is needed before pre and post, it's just a drug. Yes. Um, it becomes a medicine when we do the quote unquote hard work beforehand and after and this is more. what what's that couldn't agree more and, and this and this can be said with a lot of things not just you know psychedelics just you could do breath work you could do you know any kind of counseling like you have to put in the work work if you want to get better um yeah, so yeah I, I like to equate that to i like to often bring back metaphors from the military uh because that's what we know so when you're in training uh, it's you are being trained in the beginning. You go to boot camp. You have your whatever ten week experience, and then you you continue to be trained. And there's levels and levels. If you stay within the system, you're always going to be trained. Um, and in many ways, the transition out of the military, you know, aside from the traumatic PTSD, TBIs, just the experience of being in the military and losing in many ways is create crafting an identity an ego out of something that uh you know <laughs> i'd say a lot of a lot of us are like um we're like uh adult males who used to be good boys when we were young like we were badass dudes and good boys who follow the rules at the same time 
Uh, and so you create sort of this, this ego, this identity. And when you leave, out, again, outside of, of the traumatic stuff, um, you have this, this exploration of consciousness that happens. And it's hard. It's hard as shit. Um, and part of the reason why we're talking about integration pre and post is that the idea is to, to go to the medicine to get clarity, to see what you haven't seen before, what you, what you either didn't have the capacity or were just ignoring. And now to go back and say, oh, I see now, I can now come back, apply these in my life so that uh, more warriors can live more fulfilled lives. The, the purpose of it isn't to make you more of a warrior. If you want to do that, great. But the idea is that you come back, integrate into your life and are a better person in your own life better person in your family and eventually you know at least my hope is that you're a better version in your community as well uh, being of service um how do you see the you know the future of this project um the growth of it the size of it how you can see also the the this form of therapy being used in the future for veterans is that is that something you've thought about anything you've you've dive, dove into a bit yeah, it's something we think about all the time. I think what you said right there too, um, John, is very profound. That you know, one of the thesis we have in the film um, is that in the military, a lot of things, especially emotions and feeling, is compartmentalized. And again, I didn't serve, you know, and I just, I just only have this from the people I speak to, right? Mm -hmm. That's the caveat. But like almost to the point of where emotion, showing emotion can get you killed, mm -hmm. right? Or like tap, and it becomes the absolute opposite on the back end, not mm -hmm. accessing emotion, not being able to tap into feeling on the backside can mm -hmm. get you killed, yep. mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying about any way that you can tap into that or unlock that and unlearn that ingrained behavior, like you said, they trained you for how long mm -hmm. to become good at following orders. Shooting right? guns, going to war. Yeah, shooting yep. guns, going to war, but like <laughs> literally compartmentalizing. Like, don't think about that. Like, you're the good guy. Go through that door, do this thing. Mm -hmm. You got this. And then on that, now you're on the back end of that going, okay, there moral dilemma starts to pop up and mm -hmm. what did I do and all these things I can totally see that right like mm -hmm. and so the movie's trying to show almost this this deconstruction of of the warrior that was created so that mm -hmm. it can move forward yeah yeah so yeah for, yeah exactly so for us to answer your question directly like mm -hmm. I, my nonprofit, The Mission After, wants to shine a light on all the nonprofits that are doing good in the space. It doesn't have to be psychedelics, right? Anything that's going to allow you to get purpose or connection is what we're going to help people get access to. And my, I guess, calling in this niche is like, how do I shine a light on the opportunities that are available to veterans that they don't even know about? If I watch a movie like what I'm hoping this ends up being, and I go, oh my God, that's something I, I, I should check out. Maybe that's something that could help me, right? It's not a panacea. You know, everybody's got a different route that they're gonna go down to get where they need to get. Some are not gonna be comfortable with psychedelics. Great, find something that unlocks that for you and allows you to access emotions. Somebody mentioned breath work. That still is the most profound 
um, psychedelic experience I've ever had was just holotropic breath, breath work. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm still floored by it. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I was breathing and all of a sudden I was in this. Yeah. In the stratosphere. Off to this other space. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, there's a, there's a, there's a journeying into your subconscious that doesn't have to happen through psychedelics. Um, we, I mean, we've had, we've trained in language, we've trained in somatic healing, we've trained in, in, in a few other things, and there are many routes to healing, and uh, the impetus for the healing is to realize that your whatever you've been doing isn't working. Yeah. Uh, I talked to, you know, we've talked to a bunch of guys, and, and we we say, or we we've, we've noticed that. Everybody thinks they're awesome and, and they're kind of cocky about whatever they're doing until it stops working. Yeah. And it becomes like a search for vulnerability within themselves and others. And so the, the more I, I say this as like a, you know, a call to all the other vets out there, like the more vulnerable you are with yourself, the more vulnerable you are with um, other guys and gals who've been in your position, the more people it's just an open door. And it, it's when they're ready, they're going to come. Uh, looking and asking for questions. I mean, we've had those experiences many times, and it's awesome that you bring that up because um, we're becoming more human. Is what we're doing. You take, you go hmm. from compartmentalizing to like, you know, fighting constant survival mode. I mean, upregulated all the time. You're, you're just talking about the physiological effects of like lack of sleep, drinking too much, doing tobacco, like Shit, just the, those ones. <laughs> right and then and then uh the stress of the actual job um now going into the quote-unquote real world or the c- as civilians it takes some time until you know how to adjust and by the way it's not just time it's not like oh 10 more years and i'm good it's it's this work that you're bringing up and and it's reaching mm-hmm. out to, to people yeah like the work is the new hero's journey is the journey deeper into yourself and your capacity to feel emotion and be more human. That is the new hero's journey. Heck yeah. Mm. Well said. Awesome. Awesome. Like that. I'm going to steal that. That's a really good That's exactly what it is, right? That's why we called it the warrior's journey because it's like, you know, hero has this like almost, you did this thing that I could never do, et cetera, connotation to it, right? It's like, oh, you're a hero, so I don't have to be much. But it's like, when I see you as human, just like me, then we're all warriors fighting that that journey together, right? And, and returning mm-hmm. home. There's a wonderful quote. I'm gonna probably butcher it, and I forgot butcher the it. name. Yeah, butcher it. Um, a hero is an individual who heals themselves and teaches others to do the same. Yep, shows shows others how to do the some, same. Some poet. Yeah. So. Like yeah, I'm gonna need you to send me that quote. <laughs> okay, I'll, it's it's on my mirror in my bathroom mirror. I'll take a picture. <laughs> um, so we always have this idea ideology of a hero, you know, kicking down doors, dragging out bodies out of fire. Exactly. Yeah, you know, there the, there's that hero, and there's just that hero that's willing to go deep and figure some shit out on himself. Um, yeah. So um, documentary. Documentary. Uh, I'm excited. I've seen the trailer and. The trailer was great. Yeah, um, yeah. Bob, uh, Whitney put that together. Did a great job. When are we looking for release? Tentative? What are we looking like? It's a great question. I, <laughs> I am ho- shooting. Okay. Uh, for November. I mean, I, I would like to see it come out around Veterans Day this year. 
Um, no promises to that. This editing process and this project has taken an entire life of its own in a good way. Like it's, it's become a lot bigger than just that ayahuasca trip. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, stay tuned. You know, the best way to keep in touch with that is obviously, you know, check me out on LinkedIn or whatever. If you could post my stuff, people could follow it. Um, but yeah, I, this year is the goal. Mm. I would have liked oh, to yes. be out last year already, you know, but <laughs> you can't rush yeah. it. It's, it's an ever evolving story too. That's the thing. Mm. We look forward to that. It's going to be an awesome one to share with our buddies as well. Yeah. Um, uh, with regard to the mission after and yeah. some of the work you're doing there, yeah. um, what have you seen any trends uh, in the nonprofit helping veterans type foundation space, uh, things they struggle with, uh, challenges they have either as organizations or the human element of uh, maybe they're looking at it uh, from a lens that isn't allowing them to see the whole picture. Um, what challenges have you seen that they have had? Uh, you know, it could be anything from, from that side to like the organizational uh, funding, et cetera, et cetera. Just kind of seeing, you know, this, again, I'm thinking about it from the scope of 200,000 veterans get out every year. Yes. Uh, the VA can only handle so much and it's very limited by what it is. It's very structural. It's very like, you know, medicine based. Uh, uh, yeah. it's, it's limited. So what are these nonprofits doing that you've seen and what are some of the challenges that they're facing? Oh, how much time do you Big have? Big question. I, I, we got yeah, all day. That's a huge question. <laughs> And I'll yeah. just wax the best I can on it. I think what I have learned by going into that space is that there's thousands and thousands of people that have formed nonprofits because they care. They had some inciting event, you know, whatever it was that they got motivated to do this thing, but they're also running them like nonprofits and not like businesses. And I think that's the mm. biggest problem in the nonprofit space is they're not ran like, like actual businesses, mm -hmm. you know? I, I went to a group called um, Upmetrics, who I have friends at, and they allow organizations to track their metrics, to tell their story in a meaningful way. And I was talking to them about this exact problem. And there's a disconnect between what donors want to see and what they want to give money towards and what is presented to them as I'm not going to say proof, but like evidence that that thing is happening. Right. Mm. So, and everybody's pushing in the same direction. Everybody wants to help veterans at the end of the day. Right. But are you helping mm. veterans by learning what actually is holding them back in life? Or do you, mm. can you name a few of them that, you know, or are you just trying to create this beautiful thing that you think they should just gravitate towards? Right. Mm. And then oh. does the community of veterans see it as lip service and is like, oh, good, you're going to take me on a pony ride. Like, thank you. That's exactly, <laughs> you know, like what was holding me back? Like, oh, my God, bless That's you. what was holding me back. <laughs> I couldn't get a pony. Come on, dude. A pony, you know, like, I, I, I'm trying to be funny about that, but it, it, it yeah, is yeah, real, yeah. right? Like Completely there is things great. that don't resonate. And I ran into that early in the process. Like you have to really humble yourself and say, why am I doing this? What is the purpose? Am I okay diving in and, and learning more and being humbled by what I learned? Because I've, I've been floored by what I've learned. Um, mm. And so I think the biggest problem in the nonprofit space is that you have all these siloed organizations 
-hmm. that don't speak to each other, can't support each other. Maybe one group has an amazing marketing team, but that's only useful to that team, but they don't get any traction because they're not getting enough funding. This one's flooded with funding, but they don't mm -hmm. have these, you know, like there needs to be the ability for all of them to work together. That's what I'm trying to work on. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So what, uh, given that kind yeah. of uh, structure of what exists right now, um, what within, you know, beyond just the limitations of essentially running, running incomplete or poor business models, uh, mm -hmm. what is, you know, in your opinion, your perspective, the human element of that, like what they're missing? Um, you know, what, what, and I'll, 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 this is a loaded question. I'll preface this with, sure. um, what we found is that, uh, we are asking a ton of questions as coaches yeah. because we want to know what the actual problem is. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't solve the problem by giving you a solution and asking you to like, Oh, use this solution. Like, here you go. Thanks. Um, I want to get down to the deeper layers of, of what's really going on and, um, yeah, I'm curious what you've seen, like, you know, are they even, are those organizations identifying what some of the unique issues of being a veteran is? And, and by the way, the spectrum of being a veteran, like you have your, your, you know, door kicking Delta force guy who did it, you know, 10 deployments back to back. And then you have just like an air force, you know, guy who got out after four years and stayed stateside the whole time. It, it the 20, the 22 number is still across that, that line. And those experiences are significantly different enough that they could be catered uh, a little bit better. Uh, what is, what's kind of your perspective on, on that? Again, loaded question is, uh, <laughs> is an understatement there, but I'll do I'm, lead, I'm leading questions. Yeah. A leading question. Yeah. I'll do my best on that. I honestly, I see that spectrum, but I don't think that the average NPO, you know, nonprofit org like sees it that way. I think mm. they see it as, you know, they won't one person, one problem, let's push at that one thing. It's not granular, it's not strided out. They, they, they don't see the nuanced differences by and large. I'm sure there's several that do. And there's when you have thousands, I'm sure there's a handful that are crushing it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we also know there's tons of organizations, I'm gonna have a soapbox moment for just a second if you'll allow me, yes. that are getting- Notebooks fucking millions of goddamn dollars and are spending 90% of it on admin explain to me Ugh. how that's a thing right sounds like, sounds like a red cross situation Welcome to well, America. whatever it is right I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, i'm picking on a few i'm not going to say their name here i don't need a war but i literally it's it, it's shitty right like mm -hmm. You're, people think they're doing good by giving to that organization, but they don't understand. So the whole point is, if you can wrangle that in and you can say, here's all the organizations, here's, here's what they do, and, and they can actually be supported by one central thing, I think that would be very helpful. Hmm. Now, to answer your question on, um, on the differences and the nuances within mm -hmm. the communities mm -hmm. and people struggling with different things, mm -hmm. There's so much support there needed. Now that I go back to our initial conversations, like Sean, you know, uh, training camp for the mm -hmm. soldier, right? Like mm -hmm. that whole thing was trying to be around figuring that out. Like, where are you in your journey? And here's all the resources. And 
it should be somebody who's been there or somebody that's had experience in that or somebody that, you know, you put these cohorts of groups of people together that people can say, oh, that, that sounds right to me. That sounds like something I want to experience or that sounds like mm. something that I need to tackle next. Or you know what? That guy's talking about psychedelics. Uh, 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 not, not <laughs> too going far, too far, there. yeah. I'm good, yeah. you know, but what is this thing you're talking about? Like a happy, what is that? I put it on, I get a signal and all of a sudden it can change my mood. That's amazing. Like, what is that thing, right? Mm. So I feel like there, that's what's needed is, is tribe and communities and, and groups coming together that are facilitated, like say like, you know, John, you, you, you lead a group of 10 people. Mm-hmm. They talk to people, those people end up leading. like, to me, that's the grassroots effort that's needed hmm. for people to know where they need to go next in, in the process. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. Am I going to be truthful <laughs> about it? If I show up and, you know, and, and my vulnerability, I'm going to be like, Oh, this isn't for me. But if I start right. to trust you and know you, then I'm be like, all right, this is what's going on, man. Yeah. I mean, to, to be, to be, uh, uh, transparent like that's part of why this podcast exists like i was like you just described what we're trying to do <laughs> yeah. great job guys it's just like hey go hang come hang out with sean lance and and sean and john like we want you to know who we are and what we do and like hey yeah. uh, for any listeners like we have been in your shoes i promise you we have oh, in yeah. one way or another one of the three of us has walked this journey and uh and have found ways to heal ourselves and and to have Honestly, what ultimately is like having better relationships and living a better life with our families. It's in, in our communities. It's not this like it's not even a specific mission, which is something I just talked about today with someone else that we're used to this is like the bigger stuff. Like people start asking these questions, they get on the mail, say, What's my purpose? What's what's me the meaning? And uh, the the simple answer is that trying to find your purpose is a waste of time. It's much more important to get to know yourself, to cultivate what it means to live on purpose. And that simple sen- – I, I just kind of figured out exactly how to say that recently. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that enables – like this healing process is enabling is like a journey within so that you can then go serve more – like in a greater capacity. I mean mm-hmm. – you will not serve as much as you can. This is like backwards to what the military teaches you. Like you're not going to be able to serve if you constantly are sacrificing. In fact, you must take care of yourself so well that you show up as like, cool, man, I'm fed. I worked out. I feel good. I've fucking healed. I have good relationships. Now I'm ready to lead this organization or lead this group or whatever it is that you're doing. And that is like the underpinning of a lot of what we believe is, um, coming back to yourself as a way as a means to undo all of the bureaucracy all of the conditioning but you know we can go all the way back to your childhood as well by the way this is like a super deep journey but undoing all that so that you can come back and actually be a a contributing member of society in a way that is uh really your own your own definition of it of that Absolutely. I'm soapboxing a bit, guys. I'm sorry. No, it's so <laughs> for the film, like legit, like going from warrior trained to do these things. Sacrifice is something that is ingrained into mm-hmm. you. Like mm-hmm. I have to sacrifice myself to get self worth from that. Mm-hmm. But then, how do I un- unravel that? 
How do I undo that belief? Radical self-care becomes that piece <laughs> and fills your cup to say, okay, now, yeah, I, I feel that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a real, we, we've got to start using some, like, we want, at the Rising Warrior, we want to have, like, our own versions of, like, uh, self-love. There's got to be, like, a Rising Warrior version of it, like. Yeah, uh, uh, we, we got to like translate some of these terms so it lands a little bit easier. People, I came up oh, with right. one recently, like a inner, was it a um, treat your and treat your emotions as your allies, not your enemies. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's like a good way. So we got to have a book of translations. Like, how do we talk to this audience? Oh man, John, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, great. Exactly. Make a note of that. John, let's get let's, that. I want that. Let's alchemize. Yeah, I'm gonna put it together. Um. <laughs> um well, Kyle, thank you very much for coming on. Um, oh, my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad we uh, we we've finished full circle now. Yeah. Um, if we, I, I I say this a lot of times because many veterans don't want to be found. If people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn, Kyle Berkowitz on LinkedIn. Um, you can link to it in the in the notes. But I. Um, that's probably the best place to get in touch with me. If you're looking to connect on anything, you want to support the film, you want to be a part of, you know, anything we're doing in the nonprofit space, you want to send us a, um, a book of translations for the population that we're serving here, like whatever <laughs> you've put together, like, let's, let's check it out. Cool. Uh, again, Kyle, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Thank you guys. This is fun. Yeah, this was good.